Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to our musical Tell Me Everything I Know Christmas special, a TNC extravaganza. Um, what does TNC stand for? Oh, TNC yeah. stands for That's Not Canon. It's the network that we are on. Uh, I should uh, probably know that. You should. I'm Zane C. Weber, and with me at the table today are... Oh, I was in the middle of a yawn. <laughs> <laughs> Julie Isentracker. And... Miranda Selwood. And... KB. And you won't oh, be so hearing rude. much from us today because no. we are going to be throwing to several different podcasts around the network who have submitted their own top five lists Amazing. for us to appreciate and for you to also appreciate. Mm-hmm. So... Well, I mean, let's just get started. Who are we hearing from first? So first up, we're going to throw to General Queries. Now, they are a Brisbane LGBTQI plus mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. And so they are going to give you their own top five lists. And I'm going to throw to them right now. Everyone, uh, I'm Talia. I'm from General Queries. I am the host of, as always, uh, my lovely co-host Megan, who has the most dulcet of tones. I have dulcet tones. You are the most beautiful. <laughs> we are here to give you the top five reactions that uh, families give to queer people at Christmas time. Mama Sita. Um, yeah. So, Oosh, Daddy. General Queries is uh, a podcast about the Brisbane queer scene. We talk about um, different identities. We just kind of have chill chats about what it's like living as a queer person, um, transitioning, not transitioning, living with partners, finding relationships, all of those kind of cool things that people should be educated on. So you could say the gays taught me everything I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Megan, what's our, what's our first Okay. Me- Megan's Megan feels this one deeply. Okay. Okay. No. 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 We'll leave that one to last. Oh. Okay. We'll, we'll leave it we'll to do, last. We'll do. We'll do. Um. It'll change when you meet the right person. And this five. this is a, this is applicable <laughs> to so much. Um. So, so many. Head people get this all the time. Also, like it's yeah. not just it's not just the queers. It's, yeah. Look, you you you'll settle down. You'll find the right person. They'll change everything about you. Yeah. They'll be an opposite gender person. That's of that's, course. That's not how anything works. But good good job, Grandma. That's, that's how that's how <laughs> you're in an abusive relationship. But anyway. Um. Everyone experiment. Number four, 
Everyone experiments at university. Yeah, got something to tell me, Dad. Um, everyone experiments at university, but also people are quite certain of them themselves. Yeah. Yeah, people have a solid sense of self. All the gays with their marijuana sticks. Marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> Number three. Number three is uh, if you are a femme identifying person, when are you getting a boyfriend? And if you're or a mask identifying person. When are you getting a girlfriend? <laughs> Which is. The answer is. No, if you're A-Row or A-Sex. Um, um, yeah, it's kind of like the answer is either no or the answer is I've already got one, but I'm not going to tell the family because uh, that's terrifying. Because I too. Yeah. I too am the boyfriend yes. slash girlfriend. I am. Um, <laughs> you know, like your grandparents are like, oh my gosh, when are you getting a boyfriend? And you're like, oh, honey. Oh, honey. Um, she does happen to have a vagina, but anyway. Um, <laughs> I mean, I have a partner. You just wouldn't be interested in, in meeting Oof. them. Wow. <laughs> um, number two. That's you. Oh, it's me? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you're right. So, like, are you a boy or a girl? I feel like I, I can't identify with this one. I mean, I have quite, like, short, brightly colored hair. Mm. So I do get, like... Um, what made you do that? Why'd you do no, it? No, I get the like, oh, you look like my best friend told me you look like a massive dyke, but in like a really loving way. Yeah. Like she's not <laughs> she's not being mean. She's saying it in a, in a way mm. of love. So I get the queer vibes, but um, I don't look androgynous, whereas Talia is a little bit more androgynous. Yeah, than and I feel like a lot of non-binary people are kind of like they get that a lot from or like, or like or like people neither. who have people people who have come out to their families and the families kind of refuse to educate themselves on trans issues um and so the family would be like but it's just so hard like the, it's hard it's to so say hard. they or them instead of she and him like i just want to use your dead name constantly like oh okay maybe you could just be a decent person for once that'd be that'd be sweet uh number 1 megan who's the man <laughs> Who wears the pants in the relationship? If you are dating a woman and somebody says, who's the man? What they're really asking is, which one of you is on top? What they're really- At which point you say, both of us. What they're, what they're <laughs> asking is, why do you not conform to my idea of a heteronormative relationship? Who comes home and says, honey, I'm home. And who has dinner on the table? And the idea of dating a woman, if you are a woman- is uh, you don't want to date a man. That's kind of the point. So when you ask who's the man, the answer is always going like, to be. who's the man? The answer is, no, I don't. I don't want a man. That's the, that's the reason I am dating a woman. Screw, screw. So there are some hot takes for your, your Christmas break. Um, we, yeah. Stay safe if you're a queer human. Yeah, and remember to drink water and educate yourself if you're not a not a queer human. Um, have, Thank you for having us. Yeah, uh, it's been it's been Matum great. To, I <laughs> that, no, never again. Musical stop everything. I know. Fine. Okay. Never again. Abbreviate. The gays anything. can teach you. The gays <laughs> come to general queries. The gays will teach you everything you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to the team from General Queries. That was a fun one. Uh, more fun. I'm really looking forward to this. And this is one of the podcasts that I love to guest on. Because <laughs> yes, you, you get 
a glass of wine and you get to have a wine. So we'll now be hearing about the top five, what is it, sorry, Christmas Top five drinks. Christmas drinks. Oh, there's going to be some good cocktails in this mm. list. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the top fives from Glass of Wine. Hello, everybody. I'm Andy Shostler from A Glass of Wine a podcast. Here with Zane Ribber. And I'm Gina on this Schwartz. one as well. Mm. Hello. <laughs> but you do get around, don't you? Oh. <laughs> Everyone comes to me. So, yeah. I, 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 it's, 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 yeah. <laughs> I've had a couple of glasses of wine. <laughs> so on Glass of Wine, if you're not familiar with it, what we do is we spend a portion of the show reviewing a bottle of wine, talking about its various flavour profiles and what we think of it. Whether More importantly, can- where we would drink it and uh, what we would be doing as we did it. That's true. The metaphors have become mm. very heavy very <laughs> early on. Uh, and then once we once we conclude and give our recommendations for the wine, we move on to having a wine, having a rant about whatever has been on our chest that we desperately need to get off for that week. Usually it's other people. <laughs> Hashtag people are trash. <laughs> I reserve judgment on that particular that particular one. Um but that's what we do. It's it's a it's a lot of fun. We really just end up having a conversation about things that we just make jokes about things that annoy us. That's pretty much it, yeah. basically. Yeah, and you might even learn a little bit from us as the Christmas episode may reveal. Oh, yep. <laughs> mums, I regretted regretting. I regretted recording that one as soon as it happened. Mums don't listen to that one. <laughs> that's for sure. God damn. <laughs> So we're here to talk about our top five countdown of drinks we've had or Christmas drinks. Yep. Or- Christmas drinks. Yeah. So five to one, what our favourite Christmas drinks are. I'm happy to start off. The Please. first cocktail I ever had is a fruit tingle. That goes in my <gasps> top five. Oh. In my, I, was, in my- I was literally going to say that. Fruit tingles are amazing. It's on your list. Yeah. It's yeah. on my list. That's your it's, number five. It's the first cocktail I ever had. It's uh, If you haven't had it before, it's uh, lemonade, vodka, and other blue and red things <laughs> that may or may not be alcoholic from what, from what I remember. But it's a, it's, a, it's a very pleasant tasting drink. Certainly a little bit Christmassy. I'm sure you could add something green instead of the blue curacao. Yeah, uh, yeah. To have a to have a festive brown. No, yeah, red and green make yeah, brown. Red, red and green that's, make brown. No, that's not good. Just try and separate it a bit <laughs> so it's red and green. <laughs> maybe some creme de menthe and a cherry in that. Maybe, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe that'll, that'll work. work. That'll work. <laughs> uh, my number five, because we are a wine podcast, is winter sangria. Oh. So you, you use a red wine base, uh, but with uh, you, instead of you also add in the fruit, so the lemon, lime, whatever you want to put in your sangria, but then you just put a bit of cinnamon and and to polish off the flavour, a bit of brandy or Grand Mariner. And okay, it kind of nice. gives it a bit of a wintry twist. Now, it's good in Australia because you can still serve it over ice. Please. <laughs> ah, I see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, my first one is the lychee martini, which is nice. very summery. Mm. So basically what you do is you get vodka 
and you get <laughs> light cheese from well, you can get real light cheese, which is you know good, but also get light cheese from a tin, so you get that yummy, yummy juice, mm. and you add a few other alcoholic and non-alcoholic things, and it's an amazing good time, especially for the summer, especially for Christmas. Vodka and vermouth usually. Yeah, for, that's the one vermouth. Yeah, for for martini, for a tr- traditional martini. Mm, I, yes. be- I believe so. I think so. Yes. Okay. We're well, a wine podcast. We can't speak about vodka. <laughs> I'm continuing on the summer out for my number four, yes. and that's a pina colada. Oh, um, lovely. Kind of old-fashioned, very creamy, um, mm. so not something you want to have in quantity in the mm. summer necessarily, but who can resist that a sweet pineapple to eggnog? Yes. Uh, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I, I, I will say that, that pineapple coconutty, milky taste is certainly nice. Eggnog is great as it is, but you really need the temperature to be- yeah. About 30 degrees cooler yeah. than, it, than yeah. it is. Now, this one is for the people who either want one drink or want to get drunk very quickly. Good. Uh, it is a honey winter bourbon cocktail. Oh, tell me more. So, again, it's on ice. It's just in a bourbon tumbler. So, there's a it's a very high liquor to uh, non-liquor ratio in this one. So, But it's basically just... Bourbon uh, shaken with sage, honey, and orange peel, and then nice. served over ice. That's uh, good. Yeah, so you kind of get a few of those extra flavors in there. Bit of honey to sweeten it for the holidays, make it easier to drink. Served over ice, and that is that is as uh, as strong as you want to make it. Really good because uh, <laughs> it's just bourbon. And some other and small some things. other bits over ice. There is I don't know which which company makes it, but there is um, an American honey bourbon. Like it's all in in the one bourbon. bottle. It's, oh, it's yeah, I know what you're talking it's about. A honey yeah, yeah, flavored yeah. bourbon. I'm not a big fan of bourbon, but I have to say that actually a is a very nice taste. Yeah. Uh, my next one is called a snowflake martini. Ooh. So I think to be fair, you should be drinking this on Christmas Day inside with the aircon on, okay. and it's not for our lactose intolerant. But we've got white chocolate liqueur and vanilla vodka, which is delicious, and a bit of ice and lemon wedge and some sugar. It's a good, good time. Definitely would recommend, especially if we're in Australia for Christmas and you want to feel that snowy feeling, have a martini. I would try one of those. Yeah, it sounds amazing, right? Awesome. Number three, when you're sitting around with familiar people and you just want to have a good time, you just want to – Take in the heat as much as it's pounding you and you <laughs> resist it. It's just there and present. A nice crisp lager. That's it. A nice yeah. beer. Fair uh, enough. Nice beer. Fair. Good yeah. call, it Andy. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. I mean, yeah. I, I don't care for ales very much. Yeah, you break um, out the esky. Yeah, exactly esky. right. Yeah. Mine is something that one of my aunts or a number of my aunts might drink. It is uh, It's just gin and appetizer. Oh, yes. Nice. Yep. Good. So you get a bit of bubble um, and then you spice it up with some gin. I'm a big fan of apple tizer. So, yeah. Yeah. It's another good lunchtime drink. Okay. Good. I've never associated gin with a bubbly drink. Yeah, you usually wouldn't. But uh, I think this this is just kind of get the add, get the sharpness of the apple tizer. You can just get the sharpness of the gin. It, okay. Yeah, you can forgive it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I find gin a very uh, an unforgivable drink. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it is. Yeah. I agree. It's an acquired taste. And if you just put some berries in there, 
um, I think you make a very summary. Okay. Good. Um, my next one is very simple. Um, and it's kind of a tradition in the family, even if we're alcoholics. But I think just- <laughs> you might have the same one. Oh, I don't mm. know. Okay. It's just a simple shampers, just a good okay. champagne. Okay. That even yeah. it doesn't have to be expensive, but I think during you are the Christmas, on my sister's level. Yeah, she only drinks champagne. Ooh, really good. Mm. Um, yeah, I think this happens every Christmas in the Schwartz household. We just crack open the champers and everyone has a taste. So, now, do you like them sweet or dry, or you don't even analyze them at that level? Oh it's just God, I don't know. You just take it and you drink it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know? it's bubbly, and I want yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And there's no rhyme or reason. Well, for my uh, top two, Christmas would not be Christmas in my Polish household without just straight vodka oh. had in shot glasses over over Christmas dinner. Oh, that is an intense yeah. dinner. Yeah. <laughs> dinner with shots. You get used Amazing. to it. Can I, <laughs> can, I, can I say that? It's, it's, um, it's just something you become accustomed to. And it, when you're eating, you don't actually get drunk that quickly. No, it does. It does take some time. So when you're having, you know, again, summer is not the friend to the uh, uh, to the traditional pole of (laughs) of heavy soups and lots of meats and eggs over over Christmas. Lots of creamy mayonnaise salads and things. Ooh, it's delicious. Don't get me wrong, delicious. (laughs) Not really good with the heat though. No, but the vodka helps in forgetting that (laughs) there's an outside world. Good. Okay. Well, my top one and two are very similar. So I'm going to give them to you at the same time. Okay. Uh, I'll give you my number one first. This is a tradition in my family because my sister is very much into champagne. Yeah. The last decade or so, it is not Christmas breakfast until everyone has a mimosa. Oh, yeah. okay. Champagne and orange Good. juice. Yeah. Um, and you can make it as that. strong or as not strong as you like. Good. Uh, and it is. Yeah, that's that's a tradition in the Weber slash Losco household. I see. Um, yeah, I've never Good. enjoyed a mimosa. See, I don't think I've actually had one. I think if you get a sweet champagne, and so you don't have the 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 orange juice kind of fighting the dryness. Oh no, I it's think- it's 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 purely the 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 bubbles and the orange ah, juice fighting oh, you against don't each like- other. No, love no. it. I, I find love orange juice. Need the the pulpy orange juice. <gasps> yes. Okay, with the bubbles. Oh, fresh squeezed uh, in your house. Yes. Hello, well, hello. You, don't, you don't want like the uh, the 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 powdered version. No, right. Ew, of course not. Yeah, but okay. So my number two is a twist on that, which is just cranberry mimosas. So instead okay. of orange oh. juice, you cranberry and a little bit of lemonade to to kind of <gasps> take nice. the tartness off the cranberry juice. I've never tried it. But right now, I want to. That yeah, it's, it's just really nice. Yeah, I, d- I discovered it because I we ran out of orange juice and we had cranberry juice. And I was like, oh, cranberry and champagne didn't taste great. So and a little bit of little bit of lemonade in there, and it was just just right. Okay, good time. Um, I think my last two is going to be classic. I don't know if it's still out, but Bailey's strawberries and cream. Mm. Oh. They brought out that flavor. What a good time. Oh. Add some ice cream, 
Ice cubes, amazing. But if we don't have that, then Bailey's. Just with a few ice cubes is really nice, especially on Christmas like Eve. That is my mother's drink of choice. Yeah, yeah. when you don't want to go too hard, just have a bit of Bailey's on ice. It's really good. I used to drink Bailey's on ice thinking I was so sophisticated. You are, <laughs> Andy, you are. And my last one is a bit of a fun time. It's called Moscato Mules, which sounds like me. And it's just Moscato, ginger beer, a little bit of vodka and lime juice. Wow, I see. really okay. good time. That sounds like me and a drink. Moscato, lime, vodka, vodka, ginger beer. Doesn't that sound Australian? Yeah, that ginger that would be really interesting. Yeah, right. Yeah, what maybe a good we'll time. Have, to have to try that. Yeah, please it's, do. It's funny you should go down the mule train. Yeah, because for my number one is a drink that my my my, my friends and I arrived at independently. And mm. subsequently we've discovered it's either a variation on a Moscow mule, which is vodka and uh, ginger beer, uh. or it's a straight out uh, dark and stormy, which is a dark rum with ginger beer and lime. I don't now, know any of these things, but yum. <laughs> we often get together for a Christmassy celebration, a non-denominational, just a, a fun, in fact, we even call it, Festivus. Festivus for um, the rest of us. Festivus <laughs> for the rest of us and have the airing of grievances and the, the feats of strength. Actually, we've never had the feats of strength. Oh, we've had the feats but of strength. Had, yeah, we have. <laughs> but Last we, year we had to plunge our hands into icy water <laughs> ah, and indeed. see who could stay there for the longest. <laughs> I won once and then it was a tie because by that time the ice had melted. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's the Australian summer for you. Mm. But we, we were convinced we arrived at this independently. I think we just had a whole heap of crack and rum and a stockpile of ginger beer and thought, hey, let's just put hey, it together. Yeah, we, yeah. we bought the limes to have to have cocktails. Let's 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 see what happens. Let's and it, add them all. It's See, one of my favorite drinks when I would grow up in Bundaberg and we have Bundaberg brew drinks is ginger beer with just a little bit of lime cordial. See, it's nice. Yeah. It's really nice. And it turns out it's a very delightful drink, very refreshing drink. It is. A lovely way to spend Christmas with people you like and an even better way to spend it with people you don't like. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our top fives. That's it. That's it. So- join, well, join us sometime on uh, A Glass of Wine where you'll get much more of this. It's, it's really just us talking about the things we've done or things we don't like. or A lot true. of complaining and a lot of whining and a lot of wine. <laughs> and I'm sure and after Christmas we will have a lot to whine about. Oh, Come the, join us. The new year I'm sure will bring in a whole new uh, cavalcade <laughs> of, of, of awfulness. Fingers of crossed. <laughs> I have been Gina. I've been Andy Shosler. And I've been Zancy Weber on another podcast. Bye. Bye. Guys, that was great. I can't drink, but I would uh, try all five of those, maybe. <laughs> Happy Christmas. Um, <laughs> next, coming up next is 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 the guys from Mighty Motion Picture Ranges telling you all of their favourite top five Christmas TV. Hey 
there, I'm Shane. I'm Chancellor. We're the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers, and Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know has asked us to submit a top five list for their Christmas ep- Christmas special. So we're doing top five Christmas episodes of television shows. And yes. Chancellor, what's your top five? All right. So, uh, oh, golly, technically I have seven, but let's just say it's five. So uh, number five is simultaneously the Office and the Extras Christmas special, because they're very much the, the same. Th- and I'm talking about the English Office, sorry. Uh, they're very much the same thing. Ricky Gervais does two seasons and a Christmas special, which ties all the stories together and finishes it off, usually on a kind of bitter note. Uh, And that's why I've got them at number five. Uh, Number four is uh, both two Doctor Who ones. They're my favorite Christmas specials and the only ones I would actually consider to be good Christmas specials. And that is uh, A Christmas Carol with Dumbledore, where they go through the stories of the Christmas Carol, but with time travel and the Husbands of River Song, which is the only River Song episode post the first one that was really good, that really hit me home. Uh, Number three is Futurama Xmas Story. I could have put in both of the, uh, both of the first two Christmas episodes uh, from the first four seasons, but I didn't want to put both of them because I don't know what happens in the next four seasons or whatever. So I'm just sticking with the first one, Futurama Xmas Story. Number two is the Black Mirror White Christmas. Yeah. It was super dark and it was great because it was like three stories in one that were all connected and made me depressed, just like I love at Christmas time. <laughs> and my number one, if you guys listen to uh, our podcast, we did a sitcom episode recently where it was my number one sitcom episode. It is the Black Adder Christmas Carol in where Black Adder, who's a terrible person, uh, is a good person at the start and he goes through all the events of a Christmas Carol and it turns him into the black out we know, which is terrible. Shane, what's your top five? My top five, I've got Arbed's Uncontrollable Christmas from Community. It's Oof. the animated claymation Christmas special yep. and it's the show really kind of going into that space of really interesting visuals and stuff like that. Number four is The Family Guy, The Road to the North Pole, a musical (laughs) about how capitalism is destroying Santa Claus and making him, like, weathered and everything. Like He's only 34, but he looks looks so haggard. Uh, Number three is Sense8, the Christmas special. Uh, Technically, I cover this from Christmas to New Year's. It's called Happy Effing New Year, like the, the full word. And... Uh, it's a really heartfelt, emotional. It's weird to have a Christmas special in this sort of sci-fi show, but it really works. Uh, number two is Happy Endings, No Ho Ho, which is about how Jane has been lying because her birthday is actually on Christmas Day, and so they tr- her husband Brad tries to throw her the Christmas, <laughs> uh, like a Christmas-free birthday, so that she has a proper birthday for once, and he has to try and like stop everyone else's Christmas obsessions. <laughs> Which is wonderful. And then number one is 30 Rock, which has a lot of great Christmas episodes. But uh, I'm going to go with Christmas special, the one where Jack makes the 30 Rock, makes the uh, the girly show cast do a Christmas special in order to get out of spending Christmas with his mum. And the wonderful Elaine Stritch is amazing. And 30 Rock is, I mean, any of their Christmas episodes. That's our list. And back to musicals. Oh, thanks, guys. What an interesting list. Can't say I agree with all of them, but <laughs> when never do I ever? <laughs> oh, next up, we have the guys from Second Take, and they are having a chat about actors that should play Santa. Hi, I'm Sebastian from Second Take Podcast. 
I am also from Second Take Podcast, Andy Schossler. And I'm Alex. I'm also Zane. I'm also on Second Take Podcast. I'm also here. As an observer. No, I have a list. My list (laughs) is best. My list is going to beat all of your lists. No way. I I would not be surprised if most of mine are on some of your lists. My list could beat up your dad. (laughs) What list are we doing? Um we, our lists, oh, is, is it say in the title or is there no, you know, this is like in a big video thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a compilation. So they don't know. Okay, we are doing uh, top five actors that we would cast as Santa Claus. Uh, and I guess number five, I started with Anthony Hopkins. Is that, uh, I think he's lovable mm. in his elderly years, but I would prefer oh. to cast him in his younger, I say younger, uh, Hannibal Lecter years where he's all creepy. but um, CGI can work wonders. Yep. See, I don't see him as lovable. I see him as like rather malevolent now. Um, After Westworld? Westworld and even Odin wasn't um, particularly uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. benevolent. So I think if you're going for like a, a creepy authoritarian Santa, I think that that would really be good casting. Well, Odin so was I, my point of reference to be fair. Like that's why I wanted, yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, so each, with each of mine I've listed the kind of Santa I want them to appear as because my number 5 is Paul Giamatti. So he's played Santa before, but I would love him to play like a bumbling endearing like, "Oh no, I've lost everything and you'll have to help me save Christmas." Stanley Church, he would be a terrible Santa. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only funny to us. I, didn't know I, was like, what? I guess uh, I'll uh Kick it off with John Goodman. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, why is it on my list? He, he, he was going. He's almost made my list. He yeah, has also played Santa. Why oh, do I not just search yeah. fat actors? I, that was. <laughs> I, I, now that I look at my list, I realize I made a huge error. Here. No, CGI, you know, Seb, CGI. And I think it's gonna be the first thin Santa. <laughs> I think in the New World Order version of of, of this uh, countdown. Um, John Goodman played Santa in the remake of, um, like, you know, Santa Who Stole Christmas or something like that. Oh, he basically okay. suspended Christmas for one year because children were too naughty, too in naughty. his opinion. Oh. Wow, okay. What a bastard, right? Yeah. <laughs> what still, a- uh, still number five for me. Yeah. Uh, my top five uh, actor who I want to see play Santa – Arnold Schwarzenegger. I freaking knew you would do this. Uh, I knew it. I, I, knew, I, I called on Vegas and I put money on this. Yeah. And, and, and should have. You should have. But I want to see Arnold Schwarzenegger because he could play a sweet Santa who could threaten to pull the legs out of children who are too naughty. And he could do it with a smile and such a sweet face and those children would go back home and behave the shit out of themselves. Mom, Dad, I couldn't understand a word he was saying because he had a deep Austrian accent. But give me all your dishwashing and laundry because I need to do it. The gist of it was I have to be good. Uh, My number four is uh, British actor Derek Jacobi. you may have seen him in little bit parts here and there. The part that I first saw him was actually an episode of Doctor Who. In the new series, he played when the master re-emerged. He played the initial old man version of him before he uh, regenerated into John Sim. He's just a classic British lovable old man. Yeah. I really like, just simple. He looks it and he's the kind of Santa that you just want to go up to him and give a big old hug to. British <laughs> lovable old man all describe my number four. Now, this... Man, I want to play uh, Spirit of Christmas Present Santa. So in uh, well, Christmas Carol, Christmas Present is always like a largesse and feasting and wine and parties. Stephen Fry. Here, yep. here. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's also my number four. Oh, really? Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> yes. For Aww. the same reason? Um, I just really want to see him as Santa. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went British as well for number four, the, or Irish specifically. Yeah. I want to see Dara O'Brien, who, who uh, an Irish comedian. He hosts Mock the Week, um, if you've ever seen it. He does a whole heap of other mm. stuff. He does science shows for, for kids. The more anyway. you speak, the further away I get from knowing who this is. <laughs> Again, another another sweet Santa who will be dry and sarcastic, <laughs> and and really stick it into these kids when they when they say something smarmy. Stick what into I the kids? I, I, I just really want anti kid Santas. I think I want <laughs> yeah. I want dark Santa. He's too sweet. He's too nice. Keeping this British train <laughs> or uh, rolling along, I went for a. I, I don't even know if my guy technically counts as an actor, but I pitched him as the kind of Santa that you could tell he's like the Doctor House of Santas. He doesn't want to actually be there, but I went with Jeremy Clarkson because I think that'd be <laughs> yes. a really fun thing to see. Yes, um, but I don't know if he's actually had any ever any acting roles. But I don't care. Just he do could, the, do the Top Gear thing. <laughs> you can do it. Yeah, Top Gear is a scripted show. Sure, sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> All right. So I've done the the kids movie Santa, the adults Christmas movie Santa. Now I want the steampunk crazy Santa. Mm. I want uh, Christopher Lloyd to play oh, Santa. Okay. Yeah. Hey, yeah, okay. In like a, a Christmas adventure sort of uh, Polar Express gone wrong uh, movie. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That could be really fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to see John Hurt. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Great like actor. A, a bit gritty. Also a little bit passed away. Well, Is he? Yeah, uh, a couple of years ago. Oh. Two years ago, maybe? A year and a half ago? I mean, that, I'm not surprised, but I that, genuinely didn't know. I really believe it was John Hurt. Yeah, so. Oh my god. <laughs> but no, he would have been an excellent pick. Yeah, he, he yeah. Would have been great. For my top three, you went with Jeremy Clarkson to go a bit a yeah. bit smarmy and a bit angry. Danny DeVito. I want to see oh, a Santa yes. fly off the handle. Yeah, <laughs> You've almost channeled my number two there. Oh. <laughs> no, because I went Joe Pesci, which is oh, also yes, a yes, small, yes. angry man. Yeah. <laughs> Look, my number two is not small, very angry, also anti-Santa. This is my ultimate bad Santa, Jack Nicholson. Yep, nice. Ah. <laughs> Similar once again to Joe Pesci, yeah, though, right? Yeah. Like they got that sort of dangerous vibe to them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like um, yeah, B- Billy Bob Thornton eat your heart out. I think Jack Nicholson would be such a more evil Santa. Okay, yeah. I kind of went in a different direction here, but maybe slapsticky, mm. funny Tim Curry. Yeah, yeah, as, as a Santa, I'd, I wanted I him on my list, him. but he he's unable to act at the moment. But you've what you, do you, have, you have he's had a stroke. When did that happen? A couple of years ago. I'm a terrible person who keeps track of things. Yeah. yeah. But I know about John Hurt, so I mean, I'm not that bad. True. I'm worse. I didn't know you're bad either. (laughs) Yeah. I'm the middle. I'm the middle. Uh, For my top two, I want to see Bill Burr as Santa. Yep. Nice. I want to see a Santa who has been kicked out of the house. It's, It's, you know, close to Christmas Eve. He's got nowhere to stay. Um, his wife is his wife is angry at him. He's angry himself, and he's just full of rage. And then I want him to rage out and tell some kid, you know, to set him straight on what free stuff in inverted commas really means, and that it's it's just his parents getting stuff, and you yeah. don't deserve any of it, and get out of here. My number one. This is going to sound like stunt casting. It is not stunt casting. I think he encapsulates the role perfectly. I went James L. Jones. He's big. Oh, yeah. He's got the voice. He's so lovable. He actually seems like the kind of person that would go out of his way to drop presents down every <laughs> chimney and under the tree. Right? It's a very good pick. I almost want Morgan Freeman on my list, but I didn't pick him because he's already played like 
God and Jesus and Moses and all of those bigger than life fatherly <laughs> figures. But James L. Jones, good pick. Um, yeah. My number one is because I think he could play any kind of Santa you want. I've got him down as like a tired fatherly Santa who's like ready to pass pass the baton but doesn't really know how to yet is John Lithgow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. perfect. So, but I think he he could play any of the other listed Santas from steampunk and crazy to ultimate bad Santa to largesse Santa or the bumbling endearing Santa. I think John Lithgow is could be any of them. He absolutely could. Uh, my number one is Jeff Goldblum. Oh, that would be an interesting <laughs> like just, Yeah, something different. Um, a little bit yeah, Jewish. because he's Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> just be funny, you know. Like, ugh, give all these presents to all these Christian people. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> 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 he's really leading you to the Jewishness. <laughs> you guys, I'm sad to say, as impressive as your lists are, you've done it wrong. Oh, fair enough. You've done it wrong. This list is incomplete. Unless in the number one spot for casting Santa, you're casting Nick Cage. Uh, yeah, he actually, I was considering him, not for my number one spot, but I was considering him early on. No, and it's not going to be a bad Nick Cage. <laughs> oh, well, I don't think well, we get a wait, choice wait, in that. Yeah, you don't get a choice. It's how he's feeling on the day. No, that's fine. I want oh. him to be, I want him to oh. be crazy. Yep. I will, I will oh. poke that bear until, until he is balls to the wall crazy. That's that's the Santa I want. want so like you to a do crazy the- person who thinks he's Santa? Is that no, what you're going genuinely for? Genuinely Santa, just he's had enough of it. He can't take it anymore. And he's he's you know, he oh, hates so the, the kids. night Santa went he's- crazy sort of Santa. Genuinely the yeah, night right. Santa went crazy. What if he hasn't gone crazy? He's just always been like that, but he's just like romanticized in <laughs> pop culture. But he's just always been a maniac. <laughs> Ho, 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 you little fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> so how do we how do we sign this this special guest thing off, Zane? What do we do? Bye? Who are, what do we Tell do? Tell them who you are again so that if they like what just happened, they can tune into your podcast rather than just all my podcasts. Uh, well, we're from Second Take um, Media Review Podcast. We've been running for about three years. I'm Sebastian. I am Andy Schossler. And I'm Alex. You did it. I'm proud of you. Go look at our Instagrams and stuff like that. <laughs> it's Second Take Podcast and wherever you go. Yeah, so it's just our Instagram to look at, though. Don't look anywhere yeah. else because we've we got a pretty nice tweed jacket on there. Oh, and yeah. we think that's in the spirit of Christmas is um, items and shopping and stuff. So, Probably. Yeah. That's the worst place we could have sent anyone. tweed jackets for everyone. Yeah. On this podcast. On tweet. The- tweed jacket. <laughs> Where would we tweet it through, though? Where would we tweet that through? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for that. Guys, including myself. (laughs) Thank you, Zane, for a list. And your list was obviously the right list and the best list. I'm sure all of you are are familiar with a number of names that made that list. Yeah, Mr. Lithgow. I don't think you've ever mentioned him before, have you? Uh, He was my top because he could play Santa better than any of the other of my top five lists. So... All right, and the next one we're going to go to, they didn't do a top five <gasps> because to do a top five. They had one job, one job. They did run it past me first mm. because to do a top five Christmas Wikipedia articles would take a million years. Yeah, that's true. So what they've done is they've just done one interesting Christmas tradition Wikipedia article. Uh, so there is a language warning on this one. Warning, Aww. warning, warning. 
morning. Also, you had one job. <laughs> Look, uh, a number of the podcasts have probably already broken that rule, so uh, let's not hold it. It's Christmas. Everyone's <laughs> merry. Merry uh, <laughs> Christmas. So here are the fellows from Unfeatured Articles with their Christmas segment. Unfeatured articles. Yes. Hello, Hello. listeners of Musicals Taught Me Everything. We are Unfeatured Articles, uh, crashing in your airways. My name is James. My name is Curtis. And my name is Santa. Ooh, it's but I'm there. actually Riley. Oh, oh there you go. Ruined he it. took off the beard to reveal a thicker I'll beard. Be yeah. A less um, white beard. This is a show, or, well, we usually host a show that isn't this one. Uh, called Unfeatured Articles, where we look at articles on the internet that are weird or, or unfeatured, you may say. Oh, I know. Might you? I've never described it like that before. And this week, uh, we are crashing your podcast to talk about weird Christmas traditions. Indeed. Indeed. So why don't we just get right on into Let's it? Let's not I waste any do. time. Yes. I'm going to start us off, boys, if that's all right. Please do. So, boys, in Iceland, there is a wonderfully... Delightful Christmas tradition. Mm. I'm not usually a big fan of Christmas. For me, it's just a lot of obligation, gift giving, and alcohol. Sure. But um, I think Jolla Bola Kalaflod. That's not how you pronounce it. Yes. Great. Jolla Bocala Flod. Jolla Bo Kaflod. There you go. Jolla yep. Boca Flod. That's the one. Yeah. The Christmas book flood oh. uh, is. Right, delightful. I love it. So in Iceland, books are exchanged as Christmas Eve presents, and then you spend the rest of the night in bed reading them and eating chocolate. The tradition is part of a season called Jokaboka Flood or the Christmas Book Flood because in Iceland they publish more books per capita than any other country in the world. Oh no way! Yeah, God damn. Uh, so yeah, and they uh, they sell most of their books between uh, September and November due to uh, people preparing for the upcoming holiday. Nice. So yeah, they're I all just like, let's get rid of all these. We've got too many books. Too many get books. Get out of here. I need Stop to all these so books. just like, oh, all right, Timmy. <laughs> Tomorrow's going to be an excellent day where you'll unpack your fire engine. Yeah. And your, your PSP. Yeah. Your, your Nintendo PSP. Yes. And your new pony. Uh-huh. But tonight you're going to sit still in bed and you're going to read a book. Yeah. Read a book. Read a lovely book. I don't, don't mind that at all. No, Not the worst. That's that's actually Not I, the worst. unironically, that, I, I think that's it. a really nice tradition where you just give each other a book and then you spend a nice quiet evening kind of just together. I like that Stay a lot. Stay the hell away from the rest just, of your yeah, family. Yeah, the hell away from it because you're going to have to spend all day <laughs> the next day together. Exactly. Yeah. You need that time to like. Again, obligation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love yeah. that idea. This is my first Christmas out of home, though. Oh, so, true. Uh, so not living with my parents. So this is going to be very weird for me because I'm going to return and be like, oh, I miss you, people. This is kind of nice. We'll yeah. have an unfeatured Christmas. An unfeatured Aww. Christmas. I can't wait. Riley, what have you got? Um, Do you want to go in with yours or do you want me to jump in mine? Oh, I can do mine. I think Riley's got the longer ones. How about you hit it up, That's James? That's true. Um, so there are a lot of St. Nick, obviously is our Santa is our figure, uh, who is real. Of course, uh, we obviously, all know. obviously um, I'm right here. Um, loves but, to get rich kids, the good presents and poor kids, the bad presents, indeed. but that's all right. Um, but throughout a lot Ow. of territories in Europe, historically, there have been companions to Santa, really? uh, uh, often like counterpoints to Santa. One of which is the Krampus, who is pretty much the devil, uh, the Santa devil, the Santa devil. There's um, a, you know, there's a whole plot arc on American Dad dedicated to this. I love this. Yeah, love American that. Dad, unironically best animated show on the on the 
television. All right, <laughs> I'll let you have your take. This I'll is just, my hill. This is the hill I die it's on. It's Christmas. I'll let you have your bad oh. hot take. Why do you don't like American Dad? I like it. It's not the best. It animated. is. What's the best animated show then, James? Tell me now. Let me talk to you about the Krampus. No, tell me the best animated show. <laughs> Um, later. Stay on top. Not, yeah. Um, so the Krampus. The listeners deserve to know. I hate this. I hate this so much. The Krampus is a horned anthropomorphic figure described as half goat, half demon, who during the Christmas season punishes children who is misbehaved. In contrast with St. Nicholas, who rewards the well-behaved with gifts. Krampus is one of the companions of St. Nicholas in several regions, including Austria, Bavaria, Croatia, and the Czech Republic, Hungary, Northern Italy, uh, Slovakia and Slovenia. The origin of the figure is unclear, though folklore, folklorists and anthropo- anthropologists anthropologists that's the, that's the one, have postulated uh, it had pre-Christian origins. Uh, in traditional parades and in such events as the Krampuslauf, uh, young men dressed as Krampus participate. Such events occur annually in most Alpine towns. Uh, basically, it's a big devil man who will chastise you. What's what I love about it is how celebrated the Krampus is, almost as much so as Santa and Saint Nicholas. Yeah. There are greeting cards that have the Krampus just like wailing on kids, like putting kids in chains yeah. and just like fucking smacking them. It's ridiculous. Uh, there's Krampusnacht. Uh, which is the preceding evening to the Feast of St. Nicholas. Uh, it is Krampus night uh, where the wicked hairy devil appears on the streets. Uh, sometimes he's there with St. Nick. Sometimes they're just hanging out. They're just chilling. They're just chilling out. They're, good. they're rivals, but they've got respect for each exactly, other. Exactly. You know, they're business partners. <laughs> and um, sometimes St. Nick's there. Sometimes he's on his own. Um, the Fucking hell. Unlike There's a normal. lot of creepy pictures of Krampus on the internet. Krampus is like a creepy guy. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm actually, we're putting this one that I've just found in the show notes. Please do. In the music, I forgot we're not doing our own podcast for a oh, second. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, but that's my creepy goat man, the Krampus. Uh, and there's one, there's one where it's just like, he's just he's Santa, big beard and bushy yeah. beard and just this like devil guy next to him. And they're just having a good laugh. They're just having, having a good beard. time having together. A laugh. It's very fun. Having a laugh. Eating some strudel. Riles. Alrighty. So continuing on with our, uh, European Christmas special yes. we got going on here. We're going to go to Catalan. Um, and the, we're going to talk about I their tradition. The Pokemon game that was set there. <laughs> good. Thank nice. you. All right. <laughs> Not feeling my jokes today. I liked boys. it. I liked it. Oh, I said dear. good. Right, okay. Right, keep going. Oh, go so on. the tradition we are going to talk about right now is the Tio de Nadal. Um, and I've probably not pronounced that quite correctly. A famous tradition um, on Unfeature Yeah, articles. I do this a lot. Um, meaning in English, the Christmas log. Um, so the form of the Tio de Nadal found in many um, Aragonese and Catalan homes during the holiday season is a hollow log about 30 centimeters long. Um Recently, it's come up to stand on two or four sort of stick legs, and mm-hmm. it's got a big smiling face painted on it, um, on its on the the elevated part. And sometimes yep. they put the little red Santa hat on it just to just to complete the picture. Very cute. Um, and Wild. sometimes they give it a piece of a bit of a nose. Ah. Um, okay. And what what they do is beginning on December eighth with the feast of the Immaculate Conception. Um, they the the they they start to feed the Tio a little bit to eat every night. The log. Yeah, they start to feed the log a bit to eat every night, and they okay. cover him up with a blanket so that he won't be cold because yeah. he gets quite cold in Europe. Sure. Um, and the story goes: the log's not alive, is it? It's got a mouth. So it's got, a mouth. it's got eyes. I mean, 
I can all right. Strap in. Yeah, um, the story in goes um, that in the days preceding Christmas, children must take good care of the log, keeping okay. him warm and keeping him fed. All right. So that on Christmas Day, it will defecate all their presents. Oh, cool. Sexy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot to take in. Jesus. <laughs> on uh, Christmas Day, um, in some households or on Christmas Eve, they used to put it into the fireplace um, and orders the log to defecate. Um, because not everyone has fireplaces anymore, they sure. don't put it in the fireplace anymore. To make it defecate, they beat it with sticks while singing various songs, one of which I will read to you in please a moment. Do. Oh, please, um, please do. Can you make up a melody for it? Uh, probably not. Um, I'm not that good. <laughs> the tradition says that before beating the T.O., all the kids have to leave the room to go to another place in the house to pray, asking for the T.O. to deliver a lot of presents. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, makes a good time for all the parents to just like scramble in and chuck all the presents in I there. I hope this log shits a ton. I hope I it hope shits this log so just much. shits dear, dear constantly. God, dear God. Dear God. I'm writing to you today to mm. talk about my log, which I hope shits lots of presents. <laughs> I've cared about this log for a month now, and now I'm going to beat the shit out of it, literally, so that it yeah. shits out my presents. <laughs> my Catalan is famously excellent. Yes. <laughs> Um, so when the Tio does not drop larger objects as those are considered to be bought by the three wise men, it does leave candies, nuts, and torons. A toron is, um, it's like nougat, basically. Lovely. Depending on the region of Catalonia, it may also leave out dried figs. Um, and uh, it's a communal thing rather than individual gifts. So there's like one log per household that shits okay, out sure. everybody's treats. Yeah. Um, and and just, the, the yeah. T.O. is, as as like a colloquialism for the T.O., um, it's often called the Carga T.O., which translates to shitting log or poo log. Oh, so they're just completely acknowledging um, they, they it. They are 100% just, aware. Just interjection. Just in it. Music has taught me everything I know. That's like a G-rated podcast, isn't it? Ah, well... Okay. Fucking hell, in for a fucking pound. Am I right, guys? Now, um, they had Jess Ryan on the show. This is fine. <laughs> Damn. Um, this derives, so yeah, um, it's called the poo log or the shitting log. This derives from the many songs of the Tia Dinadar that begin with this phrase. Um, and here we, we go. go. I will read it to you now. Shit log, shit nougats, hazelnuts, and mato cheese. If you don't shit well, I'll hit you with a stick. Shit log. And that's the song. That is amazing. That's the song. Obviously, Such a good tune. Obviously, that's the English translation. Yep. Mm. It's probably far more musical um, yeah. in the actual- Is the direct like, translation shit, though? No, like 100% it's shit log. Yeah. Shit log. Shit nougats. Um, hazelnuts and mato cheese. If you don't shit well, I will hit you with a stick, shit log. Shit log. That's incredible. Fuck you, the shit log. Um, a song, and so like they sing it while they're doing it. Um, so as wow. they hit the, yeah. the T.O. with the stick during the song, it hits harder on the words, Kaga T.O. As they're hitting it, even yeah. though they're like, if you don't, I'll hit you, but they is hitting yeah. it. Well, they hit it harder. Oh, I see. Basically. Well, what I um, think we've learned today is that we are celebrating Christmas wrong. Yeah. Uh, that there are so the many Europeans better ways. have got it right. They've got yeah. it right. Uh, thank you so much for having us. Also, sorry for having us. Yeah. Musical yeah. taught me everything I know. Uh, if you like a bit more profanity and a bit more weirdness in your life, head on over to Unfeatured Articles. We'll be there bringing perversion and, and idiocraties to your, and and to, your uh, to your ear holes whenever you wish. Until then, uh, we bring you back to your regular, regularly scheduled Musical taught me everything I know. and girls, wasn't that an interesting article that we all just learned about? Yes. Places other than here.
are weird. They do things strangely. <laughs> Speaking of weird, uh, we're now going to hear from a new world order um, <laughs> where the boys are going to give us top five Christmas characters, Santa Claus characters, mm-hmm. and what political uh, ideologies, ideologies they, represent. they represent. Okay, Were you there or something? You keep yep, just, I'm oh. on a lot of podcasts, you guys. <laughs> Zane, Zane, Zane. Where do you find the time? Uh, night, usually. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. Yeah. Okay, well, let's hear it. Hello from A New World Order. You know my voice. I'm Zane C. Weber, but I'm here with the other host from A New World Order. Oh, I'm going to do the whole thing. I'm your people's champion, your man means. with the automatic rematch clause. But you can call me Sebastian. He needs that rematch clause because he's losing. Exactly. And I'm, and I'm, I'm the first loser, which means I'm second. And I'm Andy Schossler, dictator extraordinaire. And the current champion. Well, so far. We'll only, see. Only if you ignore the death rate. Uh, <laughs> so we're doing, we are doing top five Santas because- if there is one beneficent dictator in the world, it's Santa. Not so beneficent, according to my <laughs> list. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to start off. My number five is Tim Allen from The Santa Claus because, again, tied up in all this red tape and magical lore and he's one person, ultimate power, and he's he's tied there. But in that one, it's sort of the universe... Deciding you'll be the next the Santa. The universe needs a Santa. Yeah. Well, it's because he accidentally kills the old Santa. So Oh, so it's a curse. Yes. Being Santa is a uh, curse in the in the Santa Claus universe. Yeah. And that's what a good ruler should be. A good ruler shouldn't be someone who wants to rule, it should be someone who is obligated to rule. <laughs> and no matter know. what he does, he, he his has beard to have will a grow back beard. Here, that's right. <laughs> okay, so my number five. Yes. His uh, character name is Blake, but he's an. I'm just going to read the IMDb description here. An evil millionaire believes he is Santa Claus after an accident renders him an amnesiac. That's right, guys. It's Hulk Hogan. It's Santa with muscles. Oh, no. (laughs) You thought there wouldn't be wrestlers on this list. No, I knew there would be. I I saw this coming weeks away. Um, Yeah, so he's effectively a jerk who forgets who he is and goes around thinking because he's dressed up as Santa when he comes through. And he's like, well, I must be Santa Claus. Time to do Santa things. So it says he's evil. (laughs) Is he an evil Santa or is he good while he? He's, he's good while he's Santa, but he was an evil billionaire or millionaire. Millionaire because this is a 90s film. Also, oh, spending money, he becomes good. Uh, well, he doesn't know he has the money because he's an amnesiac who thinks oh, he's course, Santa. So he has to right. save Christmas in his mind. Oh, but everybody's so, uh, super nice to him and just gives him all this stuff <laughs> yes. wherever he goes. So I was here for Mr. Ten Inch himself, Hulk Hogan. So. <laughs> well, I also went the evil route for my top, top Santas. This is what I have to put up with. <laughs> <in the laughs> new order. We went the evil route first because they're the, that's the bottom of the list, right? Villains are fun. <laughs> Villains are just fun. Nobody wants to talk about good guys. My top five Santa You're going to hate my list. <laughs> <laughs> my top five Santa comes from a film called Like Father, Like Santa. <laughs> where a very wealthy toy manufacturer is hell bent on becoming uh, on on monopolizing the the toy industry globally so he takes his private jet flies to the north pole to take over santa's gig finds out he's got a lot more in common with his father oh, than he thought no spoilers oh. because well 
Yeah. <laughs> How old is this film at a reference? I think it's it was made in the nineties. Yeah, it's, it's not yeah, too so old. So it's um, free to spoil, I guess, right? Yeah, oh, yes. Okay. A gentleman yeah, called yeah. someone Philip Wootkins, I think, or Seymour Wootkins is plays Santa in this one. This isn't my film podcast, so I'm not gonna pretend I know who that is. <laughs> Sorry. Well, the point is is that as evil as the, the billionaire son is uh, trying to monopolize the toy market, Santa is suppressing an elf rebellion, <laughs> a labor strike. <laughs> yep. It okay, doesn't, so, doesn't get more dictatorial than that. So what we have here is a pretty accurate, so far, accurate representation of each of our nations. Actually, you can really do it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of <laughs> the person obligated to rule, the person who is got a knock on the head and so is here pretending to save things and uh, suppressing rebellion through dictatorship. That's exactly um, right. Iron yeah. fists. <laughs> Uh, how you make toys, everybody. I wonder everybody. if we'll have any crossover. <laughs> My number four is actually a kidnapped head of state is Danny Elfman in Santa in Nightmare Before Christmas uh-huh. where Jack Skellington kidnaps <coughs> Santa and takes him to Halloween and forces him to basically turn it into Christmas. Uh, so basically make our land as good as your land. Do you know, I know the story. I've never seen Nightmare Before Christmas. It's very good. It's That's, quite enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, heard, no. it's, it's not. It's not that I've avoided it in any way. I've just never yeah. gotten around to it. I'm not a fan. Okay. I think. Uh, but it's, is Tim it Burton's one of these movies? Uh, you easy to ignore, Seb. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> is it? Is this one of these movies that you've had to watch over and over again because Jess likes it? Um, I've seen it a couple of times before. I was with Jess, but right. yes, also that. Yes. So that's what I thought. Yep, turns out you can't beat me into submission. You can just beat me into hating you more. Well. That's like the opposite of how Stockholm Syndrome works. <laughs> um, well, it is a crossover episode because I've got Santa Claus as well. Um, I grew oh, up from with- the Santa Claus. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've got, yeah, I grew up with it. I mean, it's one of the only things I can stand Tim Allen and this and Galaxy Quest. And even, I mean, to be fair, this yeah. is slipping comparatively, but it's a Santa <laughs> list, so I'm restricted. But yeah, it's yeah. good old time. But Zanary talked about it, so. Tim Allen's had a mixed run. Uh, you say all, you say all of those 80s comedians have had big yeah. ups and downs. Like Eddie Murphy. What's Ugh. he doing yeah, these that's days? Right. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Well, my top four Santa comes from a film called, uh, a remake actually of a 60s film uh, called A Year Without Santa Claus. John Goodman plays Santa Claus in ah, this TV yes. movie where Santa decides everybody has been a little bit too naughty and he cancels Christmas. He cuts off the welfare <laughs> and sends all the orphans home cold. He's pal mad, this Santa. <laughs> of course he is. Uh, my number three is Chris Kringle, played by David Attenborough in Miracle on 34th Street. Ugh. It is the Christmas, Christmas of all the Christmas movies. It's a ridiculous Christmas movie. It's so cliche. It is, but that's kind of the point. Uh. This movie has to exist. But this Santa's really interesting because he doesn't Im- enforce uh, like his power. He doesn't prove. He wants people to make up their own minds, and it's only when- He lets the Velociraptors deal out who's naughty and nice. Yes, it's only when, <laughs> when at the end of the film, when everyone's become their best person just by being around okay. a good person, that he then confirms that he is Santa. Okay. Yeah. So my, he lets people do what they like. <laughs> yeah. My number three is North from Rise of the Guardians. The it's one my played, number one. I figured this was coming to you, yes. Um, he's played by Alec Baldwin. Um, I'll go on him a little bit because I want Zane to get the, you know, the joy of doing it for his number one, but it's a 
It's one of the best performances in that film. I mean, I really like Alec Baldwin, whether he's going to beat up someone over a car parking space or not, <laughs> allegedly. Um, but no, yeah, and it's a really good movie as well. So you get a good Santa and Hugh Jackman's in it. Ka-ching. Ah, huzzah. So he gets Is that points. when he was starting out? No, it's only, was, it's only within the last only a couple five, years. Only yeah, Oh, really? Oh, okay. Hugh Jackman plays the Easter Bunny, but that's not this list. Of course. So, Andrew, what do you have? For my top three, I had the Santa from Ernest Saves Christmas. You might say, <laughs> hey, nice guy, very sweet, very well-meaning. No, I cry because he wields in his hands absolute power over who inherits the mantle of Santa Claus. And he is... He has whittled down his list into into uh, uh, isolating poor Joe Carruthers, ruining his acting career and saying, no, you must become the next Santa and I will not <laughs> stop until I ruin the rest of your life. Wow. Uh, I haven't seen in that a really movie. In a really nice Maybe way. You've never, uh, never seen Ernest Saves Christmas? I try to right. avoid the Ernest movies, honestly. They're a good bit of fun. When you want to feel good there. Yeah. Especially right. especially that one because it's a Christmas film. So I have going through my list tried to get very, five very different politically <laughs> Santas. So so I've had the the reluctant leader, I've had the the head of state forced to work for another nation. <laughs> I've had the lawful good beneficent civil rights loving Santa who just lets everyone do what they want and hope yes. that they become good. Now I have Hippie Santa. Oh no! From Santa Claus. Uh, from from Santa Claus conquers the Martians in 1964. Uh, yes. The Martians, uh, their children are too robotic and unimaginative, and so the Martians kidnap Santa Claus from Earth, take him to Mars, and he just hippifies the place with exactly free right. love and and communism. <laughs> <laughs> and if I remember correctly, there are a couple of Earth kids that stole away or happened to get Correct. swept up in the in, yeah, in yeah. the magic. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, that's my number two. I I'm going to swap out my number two last minute because I fear more crossover. So have you guys seen Christmas with the Cranks? Yes. yes. I'm going to go with yes. Santa at the end of that film, who was revealed to be this homeless gentleman who had been kind of pseudo following yeah. Tim Allen's no grumpy one. character. No yeah. one is Santa <laughs> in the Christmas with the Cranks. And for the, oh, here he is. And I think his slays a VW as well. So whatever. Um, actually, a very funny film, but not for the intentional reasons. I, have you guys seen it recently? No, I a couple of years. Enjoy the Nostalgia Critic review. Frequently, oh, I haven't seen that one specifically. Okay, it's but, quite, um, it's quite good. Just the fact how how balls to the wall crazy this town gets when this one family yeah. decides not to celebrate Christmas is hysterical in yeah. its own right. And I like seeing a homeless guy turn out to not be homeless. That was nice. That makes me feel happy <laughs> at Christmas. And just that's no, yeah, we can continue ignoring the problem. <laughs> because there's no problem. He's Santa. <laughs> Bigger house than I have. Thanks, America. My top two Santa Claus is from the film. Center Slay, spelled S L A Y. It's exactly the research we get into the to the horror movie. This is this is about a demonic Santa who is tricked for a thousand years into being Santa. His time is up, and he goes full evil and just starts murdering everybody. Come Christmas, <laughs> point of order. He's played by professional wrestler Bill Goldberg, yeah. um, which is actually, he, was a, he was a fine actor. He's actually not terrible. He's been in like the longest yard, and I mean some shitty shit as well. But he's one of the okay ones. Yeah. But he's good in this film, and mm. I, I can't help but think that that's kind of a joke that is uh, played in Ernest Saves Christmas where Joe Carruthers is cast as a role in 
uh, Christmas sleigh, also this horror Christmas yes, Christmas yeah, yeah. film with a, with exactly the same title <laughs> gag. <laughs> All right, well, my number one is Nicholson North, played by Alec Baldwin in Rise of the Guardians. Not a Christmas movie, but Santa's in it, and it is pretty Christmassy. It is an Easter movie, though, isn't it? It's an Easter movie. It's about Easter. Because there's two characters that are all snow-based, and it's, yeah, yeah, it's weird. Good movie, though. (laughs) Uh, So he is a charismatic, beneficent dictator. Like, he he rules with an iron fist over several sentient species (laughs) that do his bidding uh and yeah he's he leads from the front with two swords etc so yeah this is this is the ultimate santa for me and he's a fighting santa too he's ready to go oh yeah alec baldwin i'm not surprised (laughs) um i did not select but one santa for my number one I selected oh, no. all the Santas from Jingle All the Way. Yeah, ah, go. nice. <laughs> when he goes to get the Turbo Man and he gets it from like the Santa as like a, it ends up being a bootleg and he's in a warehouse with like 400 yes. Santas, one of which is played by WWE's The Big Show. <laughs> but a relevant point because he's just in there as a, as a side thing. But yeah, it's a very funny scene and it's just nice uh, idea that all the mall Santas get together and sell bootleg toys to yes. other kids and stuff. It's hilarious and a great movie and I won't hear an ill word about it. No, it's a fantastic film. And as as Christmas movie goes, good. it's very entertaining. Yeah. It's good. Arnie's always entertaining. That's right. You love Arnie, don't you? I love Arnie. I really do. I have a real soft spot for him. My number one top Santa is the robot Santa from Futurama (laughs) who journeys from his base on Neptune to Earth every Christmas to obliterate the naughty (laughs) who happen to comprise the entire population of of Earth because of a quirk of the programming. Look, he's great. He's he's so much fun. We might be crossing crossing over one podcast too many but people are trash and he knows that mm. yeah yeah and he's got the list to prove it <laughs> except for zoidberg except zoidberg. for zoidberg <laughs> zoidberg's not zoidberg. people no, he's not. <laughs> all right well that's been our top five sanders thanks musicals told me everything i know did you thank yourself there are other people on musicals <laughs> told me everything i know seb wait thanks a new world order I felt good, actually. This is us. You I should mean, try we're it. the only representative. You should try it. Thank us. Thank you, A New World Order. Oh, Ooh, thanks. I like that. That's really nice. I like that. Have a fun Christmas. Hey, everyone. Zane here. I apologize for just bobbing in here and getting rid of the other hosts but we had a last minute submission from one of our more popular podcasts on the network murder in the land of oz which are going to be telling us their top five musical murders so have some fun with this one uh the girls on murder in the land of oz do love musicals and they also like crime stories so if you like true crime check them out and without any further introduction i'll hand you over to jess and ellen Hello. I'm also here. I'm on all the podcasts. (laughs) We begged Zane to be a part of this. Not that you aren't here every single fucking time we record, though, hey? You're just audible. Yeah, I'm usually in the background clicking. 
and, and pointing laughing and laughing <laughs> and also like gesturing to the skies when something when we say another horrific Why thing. Why are people so terrible? Correct. We'd love to find that out, but we just never. <laughs> we will. just will never. You should will. introduce yourselves. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> My name's Jess. I have been on this podcast before. My name's Ellen, and I have not. It's well, true. Jess, Jess is one of our guest hosts. I am. I'm the swing host on, on I was about to say Murder on the Land of Oz. No, <laughs> musicals taught me everything I know. But this is her real podcast. This is my real job. Murder on the Land of Oz. It is a job. Stunning. It's a slog. I mean, it's a lot of research, so I still count it as work. Um, and we're going to talk to you about our five picks of musicians that have been murdered. Yeah. Zane was like, well, you can do something music related. You can do something murder related. And we were like, how about murdered musicians? And Zane was like, Sounds right. That's almost verbatim. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say before we start, this is not like a countdown, like no. from like our least favorite to our most favorite nah. murder musicians. Nah, it's nah, just nah, nah, five nah. musicians but who have been murdered. There are at least a couple on there that are interesting to research. Yeah. Oh, all, I I would like to think that all of them are interesting. Well, one I did know about. Yes. So there's that. Yeah. Something you learn something new every day. Well, let's go. Let's just go. Let's just go. Smash right into it. So I'm going to start out with Sam Cooke. So Sam Cooke was born on January 22nd, 1931. He was known professionally as Sam Cooke. His full name is Samuel, just for anyone that's wondering. Damn. What a plot twist. We're, whoa, we're oh, on the I first can't, sentence. I can't swear on this podcast because Julie and Miranda will get mad at Wait, me. Wait, are we not allowed to swear? That's very off-brand uh, for don't, us. Don't worry. This particular episode, oh. everyone swamped. Like, R18, music- R18 plus. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Musicals is, uh, is, is uh, one friend. of our only PG <laughs> podcasts. So. And it's so funny. Every time I go on, I'm like, fuck this and fuck that. It's true. So good. <laughs> um, so he was and he was influential as both a singer as a com- and as a composer. He's commonly known as the king of soul for his distinctive vocals and importance within popular music. He began singing as a child and joined the Soul Stirrers before moving to a soul career where he scored a string of hit songs like You Send Me, A Change Is Gonna Come, Wonderful World, Chain Gang, Twist in the Night Away and Bring It On Home To Me. I was a huge Sam Cooke fan just out of high school. Really? That's on brand for you, Zane. That's so on brand. Um, His pioneering contributions to soul music contributed to the rise of Aretha Franklin, Bobby Womack, Al Green, Curtis Mayfield, Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, and Billy Preston. Interesting. Interesting. So he was murdered. He was moited. He was moited. So... Cook died at the age of 33 on the December on December 11th, 1964, at the Hacienda Motel at 9137 South Figuera Street in Los Angeles, California. You can visit it. <laughs> you want to go? You want to go there? We'll go there. We'll you, go there next year. We'll go there next year. You Stand know, it. you know, I've been to LA, and on almost every corner, there someone are maps has been murdered of murder houses or stars hotels houses. where stars have um, overdosed. There is the murder museum. There's the murder oh, museum. Oh, I want to go there. So we got to go there. Bad. So bad, doll. God, um, it is great for people just like you two. <laughs> big old weirdos. <laughs> big old weirdos that want to go to places where people have been killed. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking. Should we go to Chicago 
so we can do the HH Homes tour. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You right? just bought Devil in the White City. I did. <laughs> I've read it. Let's go. I'm obsessed. Let's do it. Okay. All right. There we go. Murder tour of Oz. Sorry. Uh, Oz? The USA. <laughs> Different country. Of USA. Anywho. USA. <laughs> Answering separate reports of a shooting and of a kidnapping at the motel, police found Cook's body clad only in a sports jacket and shoes, but no shirt, pants, or underwear. He had Bold to choice. Uh, yeah, what a fashion choice, right? What a time. Um, he sustained a gunshot wound to the chest, which was later determined to have pierced his heart. Ugh. The motel's manager, Bertha Franklin, said she had shot Cook in self-defense after he broke into her office residence and attacked her. Her account was immediately disputed by Cook's acquaintances. Uh, The official police record states that Franklin uh, fatally shot Cook, who had checked in earlier that evening. Franklin said that Cook had broken into the manager's office apartment in a rage, wearing nothing but a shoe and a sports coat, demanding to know where the whereabouts of a woman who had accompanied him to the hotel. Franklin said the woman was not in the office and that she told Cook this, but the enraged Cook did not believe her and violently grabbed her, demanding again to know the woman's whereabouts. According to Franklin, she grappled with Cook. The two of them fell to the floor and then she got up and ran to retrieve a gun. She said she then fired at Cook in self-defense because she feared for her life. Cook was struck once in the torso. According to Franklin, he exclaimed, Lady, you shot me. Before mounting, she sure did, Sam. <laughs> she sure did. Uh, before mounting a last charge at her, she said she beat him over the head with a broomstick before he finally fell, mort- mortally wounded by the gunshot. Less of a fan of Sam Cook now. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. The motel's owner, Evelyn Carr, said that she had been on the telephone with Franklin at the time of the incident. Carr said she had overheard Cook's intrusion and the ensuing conflict and gunshot. She called the police to request that officers go to the motel, telling them she believed a shooting had occurred. A coroner's inquest was convened to investigate the incident. The woman who had accompanied Cook to the motel was identified as Elise Boyer, who had also called the police that night shortly before Carr had. Boyer had called from a telephone booth near the motel telling them she had just escaped being kidnapped. Told the police that she had met Cook at earlier that night and spent the evening in his company. And she said that they left a local nightclub together. She had repeatedly requested he, that he take her home, but instead he took her against her will to the Hacienda Motel. She said that once in one of the motel rooms, Cook physically forced her onto the bed and that she was certain he was going to rape her. According to Boyer, when Cook stepped into the bathroom for a moment, she quickly grabbed her clothes and ran from the room. She said that in her haste, she also scooped up most of Cook's clothing by mistake. She said she ran first to the manager's office, knocked on the door seeking help. However, she said that the manager took too long in responding. So fearing Cook would soon be coming after her, she fled from the hotel before the manager even opened the door. She said she then put clothing back on, hid Cook's clothing, went to a telephone booth and called the police. Think about that next time you're listening to A Wonderful World. Some of Mm. Cook's family and supporters, however, have rejected Boyer's version of the events, as well as those given by Franklin and Carr. They believe there was a conspiracy to murder Cook and that the murder took took place in some manner entirely different from the three official accounts. Singer Edda James viewed Cook's body before his funeral and questioned the accuracy of the official version of the events. She wrote that the injuries she observed were well beyond the official account of Cook having fought Franklin alone. James wrote that 
Cook was so badly beaten that his head was nearly separated from his shoulders. His hands were broken and crushed. His nose mangled. Some people have speculated that Cook's manager, Alan Klein, might have had a role in his death. Klein owned Tracy Limited, which ultimately owned all the rights to Cook's recordings. No correct, no concrete evidence supporting a criminal conspiracy has been presented to date. Mm. Whack. Mm. 200,000 fans lined up for more than four city blocks to view his body. Like one by one? Whoa! Would you would you would you go to a public viewing of no, a I, body? Have you guys would seen? I, have you guys? Would you absolutely? Would one probably? Not. <laughs> mm, maybe that's the difference. Between have you guys been to a, just a viewing, like in the normal context of viewing have, a body? Yeah. No, Oof. I've never seen a body. I'm talking no. a big game, but I think I would faint. But it's, I would do it. But I would faint. It's fucking confronting. I don't. Mm. I to be honest, I don't. I no. I cry when I see like dead magpies on the footpath. So Aww. I don't think that I would really function. I'd be like, I can see a dead body. Guys, I'm messed up, man. Guys, 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 guys. Look at Fifi. She's very cute. Aww. She's sleeping in a very She's adorable fashion. She's sleeping with her head still up. Mew, 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 mew. All right. That's Sam Cook. That's Sam Cook. Fun and exciting for all involved. Not remotely. Twists and turns. Twists and turns. Um, Question mark? Yes. Yes, indeed. Big old um, question mark. So our next case, oh my God, which was foreshadowed in Jess's, Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye. I was today years old when I found out that Marvin Gaye was murdered. Same. Car, it's the year of our Lord 2018. I cannot <laughs> believe I didn't know that Marvin Gaye was murdered. Um, if you don't know who Marvin Gaye is, that's really embarrassing. Um, he <laughs> is... <laughs> Born on the 2nd of April, 1939, he is a singer, songwriter, and Motown legend, and he wrote the two most famous songs about fucking, sexual healing, and let's get it on. Very glad we can swear in this podcast. Um, so... Oh, I'm just that got waiting. Yeah, that got gone. good. <laughs> I'm just going to steamroll ahead. All right, go. So Marvin Gaye's father was called Marvin Gaye Sr. And I'm going to call Marvin Gaye Sr. Marvin Gaye Sr. And I'm going to call Marvin Gaye the singer Marvin. Right. For clarity's sake. Right. right, right. So um, Marvin and Marvin Gaye Sr. did not have a very good relationship, spanning back to when Marvin was a child. Marvin Gaye Sr. was a preacher and was very strict and would physically punish his children. Um, he disagreed with Marvin's career as a singer and the two never got along. Probably as a preacher, he was like, stop singing songs about fucking. It's embarrassing. <laughs> Low key, just stop singing about fucking, please. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 1983, Marvin, who was then 44 years old, moved into his parents' house to help care for her mother, who was recovering from surgery. Um, Marvin Gay Sr. wasn't staying at the house for all of this time period, but um, when he was, the relationship between him and his son was quite negative with frequent fighting and arguing. So bad that Marvin's sisters actually stopped staying at the household. Um, on April 1st, 1984, Marvin Gay Sr. and his wife, Marvin's mother, Alberta, were having this like prolonged argument about a letter that had been lost that was relating to um, an insurance policy. Don't, I don't really know what was involved in the letter, but they'd been having this argument for like days about who lost this letter, where the letter was, et cetera, et cetera. Marvin was really close to his mother and not remotely close to his father. So he was kind of jumping to Alberta's defense during these arguments. Um, and he actually told Marvin Gay Senior to clear out of the house. So um, on this day, April 1st, uh, 1984, at around 12.30 p.m., Marvin Gay Sr. was yelling out a birder about, about this letter. Marvin came running in and ordered his father to leave the room. Marvin Gay 
Senior referred, refused to do so. Um, so Marvin started pushing and shoving to get him out of the room and then began kicking and punching him quite brutally. Um, Alberta managed to separate the two and Marvin went into his bedroom. At 12.38 p.m., Marvin Gay Sr. came into Marvin's bedroom with a 38 caliber pistol that his son had bought him for Christmas, pointed it at Marvin and shot him directly in the heart. Are you fucking joking me? He killed his son? He shot his son because he was like yelling at his wife over an insurance letter. Lessons we've learned. Yeah. Do not buy your father a gun for Christmas. Bad idea. Do not buy guns, period, America. (laughs) I'm looking at you here. Um, So the shot entered the right side of Marvin's chest, perforating his right lung, heart, diaphragm, liver, stomach, and left kidney. So just all the important ones. all the important shit. (laughs) Oh, my God. His appendix was fine. Everything else. Oh, guys. Yeah. Torn to ribbons. Um, Marvin Gay Sr. took a step forward and shot him again at point black range. Alberta left the room pleading with Marvin Gay Sr. not to shoot her as well. The police were called and Marvin was taken to hospital where he was pronounced dead on arrival at approximately 1.01 p.m. This is fucking wild. How is there? Does everybody how is not, how do I not know this? Are we the dumb ones? To, like, how did we not know this? Um, so in a police interview, Marvin Gay Sr. stated that he only meant to shoot Marvin in self-defense and he didn't know the gun was loaded, which is like, okay, maybe when you shot him the first time, you didn't realize (laughs) the gun was loaded, but then you stepped forward and shot him again. And I only meant to shoot him in self-defense while he was in bed. When he he was in his bedroom, shot once already and then shot again. Like, oh, but I was, what? Come off it, Marvin Gay Sr. (laughs) Um, he was asked by police if he loved his son and he responded, let's just say I didn't dislike him. <laughs> oh, that's not the right answer, Marvin Gay so, Sr. Oh no. my God. Let's just so, say I don't dislike it. <laughs> it's rough. That's um, the case cool. was brought to trial and uh, Marvin Gay Sr. pleaded no contents to voluntary manslaughter as part of a plea bargain. Oh. And please hold on to your hats. He was sentenced to a six-year suspended sentence with five years probation. Are you fucking joking me? He appeared remorseful at the trial and stated that, I'm really sorry for everything that happened. I loved him. I wish he could step through the door right now. I'm paying the price now. Now that you're at trial, you didn't love him when you shot him, Marvin Gaye Sr. Jesus. So no prison time. No prison time at all. Oh, Nothing bad happened what? to Marvin Gay Sr. Um, I hope he got diabetes. How does no one know this? So people are going to write in and be like, you guys are schmucks for not knowing this. Like, <laughs> I feel like a for schmuck you. for not knowing I this. I feel like, like a schmuck. Um, I just wanted to say in sum up that uh, April 2nd is Marvin Gay Day in Washington, <laughs> D.C. Um, so if you want to pull one out on April 2nd, you can do so in Washington, D.C. Nobody will judge you. Um, also, there was a conspiracy theory that was put forward by his sisters who were like, Marvin was like quite depressed at this time in his life and he was a drug addict and an alcoholic and stuff like that. And they said like Marvin knew that by like stepping to his father, he was going to get killed. They were like, it was known in our family that if you confronted our father about anything, he would kill you. So they were kind of like, Marvin essentially committed like suicide by cop. 
How many children had he killed to up to this point, though? Uh, zero. There's a difference between having an angry dad who will fight you if you talk yeah. to him, yeah, and having on and then knowing that your your father will literally shoot you yeah. twice. Imagine just being like, oh well, you know, my dad was pretty strict. He would literally murder us if we ever confronted him in any way. It was a known fact us. in our household that he would. So Marv, Marvin knew what he was doing. Mm. I question that. People I think he was love just to have conspiracy theories about musicians' deaths. I found, regardless of the of what they're regardless about. of what happened. Um, I think his dad was just an abusive dick. <laughs> he is dead, and he's probably in hell. So rough for you, Marvin Gaye Senior. <laughs> <laughs> rough for you. Oh, all right. Okay, we're going to bring it back down. Uh, what? <laughs> back down? Back down? No, we're going to bring it back down. Ah. Uh, because mm. we're talking about... From the dizzy. Oh, yeah, okay. Alrighty, mm. never mind. Moving on. What do you mean? Moving on. What do you mean? Up. What do I mean? Okay. I mean, so the next person I'm going to talk about is the really tragic murder of uh, Christina Victoria Grimmie, who was an American singer, songwriter, actress, and YouTuber. Um, so she was known for covering songs on YouTube and participating in the NBC competition, The Voice. Um, June 2011, she released her debut EP, Find Me. In 2013, she released her studio album, With Love. In 2016, she released her second EP, Side A, and a posthumous release of Side B was made available on iTunes and Spotify. Um in 2014, Grimmy was a contestant on season six of The Voice and finished in third place. Adam Levine, her coach on the show, announced in the finale that regardless of the results, he would sign her to his label 222 Records. Lil Wayne, I can't believe I just said the words Lil Wayne. Also, You are the whitest person that has (laughs) ever walked the planet. (laughs) Also offered to sign her to his label. Um, So she obviously was a YouTuber, so she had gone to like um, things like What's the VidCon? VidCon, like yeah, YouTube conventions. Stuff. She was doing like lots of um, like touring and meeting people and stuff like that. Uh, she was a Christian lady. She was a big supporter of um, animal rights, fundraising for charities and stuff like that. Um, so June tenth, two thousand and sixteen, uh, Grimmy was shot by twenty-seven-year-old Kevin James Loeby while she signed autographs following her performance with Before You Exit at the Plaza Live in Orlando. Loibel? Loibel? No, Loibel. Sorry, I can't see. Uh, Loibel was tackled by Grimmy's brother, but the gunman broke free, backed against a wall and shot himself dead. So Grimmy was taken to Orlando Regional Medical Center in a critical condition with three gunshot wounds. She was pronounced dead just before 11 p.m. local time. Uh, and the autopsy revealed that Grimmy was shot once in the head and twice in the chest and her death was declared a homicide. Uh, the Orlando Police Department said that Loibel had travelled by taxi cab to Orlando from his home in St. Petersburg, Florida, bringing two handguns, two extra magazines full of ammunition and a hunting knife. Orlando Police Chief John Minor said, we believe he came here to commit this crime. Loibel did not have an arrest. You don't need to be a yeah. detective to okay. work that one out. Yeah. Loyville so. did not have an arrest record in his home county and did not to appear to know Grimmy personally. Police did not offer a motive but said Loyville had shown an unrealistic infatuation with the singer and tried to make himself more physically attractive through weight loss, hair and eye surgery. Loyville's family said they were not aware of his plans to travel to Orlando nor that he possessed any guns. 
Uh, Christina was buried at Berlin Cemetery in a private ceremony on June 16th. Um, the following day, thousands of friends and fans attended a public memorial he- held in Medford, New Jersey. Mm. So bloody sad. That's so awful. And like in the aftermath, so Selena Gomez was actually performing a few miles away mm. in Orlando. And when Grimmy was shot, had like they cancelled the meet and greet that was scheduled as a, as a part of like her Miami tour. Um, the Plaza Live reopened about four days after the shooting, and management asked Orlando police to help evaluate the club's security. Um, some singers in Las Vegas, including Callie Tucker, another season six contestant on The Voice, were given escorts after their performances. Um, in California, VidCon added metal detectives and security officers and banned informal meet and greets in the wake of Grimia's shooting. Wise decision. Uh, video personalities, including Joey Crisefa, were assigned personal security and industry, an industry attorney said that the extra me- measures were expensive and fans don't like it, but this is the new reality. Mm. Mm. So in December Lucky 20- that everyone has a gun. Mm. Mm. In December mm. 2016, six months after her murder, Grimmy's family filed a wrongful death lawsuit against several entities, including the concert promoter, the foundation that owns the venue, and the security company working the event. In January 2017, the venues requested that the judge dismiss the lawsuit, claiming Florida law does not allow business owners to be held liable for attacks on their property. A hearing on the motion to dismiss the lawsuit was set for May 23rd. The lawsuit was dismissed, but Grimmy's family were given an opportunity to refile the suit and the judge complained that the suit did not make enough of a distinction between the concert promoter and the venue owner. Um, May 2017, the family's attorney, Brian Kaplan, said that Grimmy's family will file a new complaint after a Florida judge dismissed the original lawsuit. Um, April 9th, 2018, so this is the most recent, just a short of a year after Grimmy, the Grimmy family filed a new complaint in a Florida court, it was revealed that a judge rejected the defendant's AEG Live and Orlando Philharmonic Orchestra Plaza Foundation motions to dismiss the case and has allowed the family's lawsuit to move forward. In their lawsuit, the Grimmy family alleges that the defendants failed to take adequate security measures to ensure the safety of the performers and the attendees of the concert venue. Grimmy's family is also being allowed to move forward on the claims of negligent infliction of emotional distress. The judge determined more research on the claims is needed to be is needed before going forward. No time frame has been given on the next steps in the case or when a decision would be reached. I mean, look, like when I went to New York in 2015, every theater I went into, we got back checked. Like, yeah, I feel like yeah. that's just a thing now. You need to check people's bags. But I think Florida, I'm talking out my ass here. I think Florida has like, I know Florida has that like stand your ground law where you can like shoot somebody that enters your home. I think they have kind of like cash gun laws. I feel like they're one of those states they where have they're casual like. casual concealed weapon laws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, it's, I feel like in New York, you're not allowed to carry a gun and maybe in Florida you No, I know. Are. But like, I just thought bag checks were a thing. I mean, it's a post nine eleven world. I expect to walk through a metal detector and have a man. You I know, guess that's what the what the lawsuit is. Is yeah, to get them to change the law. Yeah, Zane and I were non verbally reacting to the fact that business owners can't be held yeah. responsible for crimes that happen on their property. Weird, what? right? I feel like that's a whack law. I anyway, hope- we've gone about. Double the length of time that we were meant to have. So do you really want to do another two or 
do you want to continue? I, I'm happy to let you continue. I'll I'll give a warning before we uh we pop it in. I feel like we can probably wrap up. <laughs> what do you mean the two best ones we haven't covered yet? Well, Zane didn't want it to be this long. I. I'm just saying, you're, you're getting a lot more airtime than any other podcast. But that's because we're your favourites, right? And that is the last one. Guys, thank you so much. It's been a nice little Christmas family special of podcastedness. This yeah, Christmas. Those are great <laughs> words. Yeah. Uh, so if you haven't listened to some of those podcasts before, that's just a little Christmassy introduction to six new podcasts to add to your list of podcast listening. That was quick math. It is. Um, I don't know if it was six. It was six. It was six. I made <laughs> up a number in my head and we went. And with you it. can find all of them on that's not kind of productions.com. Yes. And on your favourite podcast app, they're all there, right? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Spotify, if you search for That's Not Canon, they'll all come up and you can scroll through. Oh, look at that. Same thing saved me so much time. (laughs) Right. Same thing happens on um, Apple Podcasts too. So I'm assuming it should happen on a lot of them. Um, But that's the end. We've come to the end of a Christmas special Number 16. I don't know. I'm good with numbers. Number one. This is the first musical story, everything I know, TNC Christmas special. Oh, my goodness. So amazing. It just rolls off the tongue. It's going to be a tradition from now on, I'm sure of it. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening, guys. We will be right back here again next week with another special for you. Um, Top five. It's a surprise. you got to listen to it. That's right. (laughs) Not giving you any hints or clues. We'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.